everybody, welcome to a reboot of the Gunnam Anime Club. Glad to be back. Well, I'm sort of glad to be back. I think I got hoodwinked. But um, with me today is Kat, as almost always. Uh, also, Miku and Roar. How you doing, guys? Doing all right. Yeah, I'm good. Yep, doing swell. All right. So, um... This uh, this particular anime that we're going to be reviewing is Overlord, and we are really only supposed to be focusing on the first three episodes of season four. I am the only one of the four of us in that vacuum. I had never seen a second of Overlord before this. Uh, everyone else, I believe, has seen everything up to and including season four. Is that accurate for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, I believe me and Kat have watched everything twice, but I'm all the way through season four, which I'm so far. And I've only gone up to episode three of season four. But you you basically crammed the whole thing into the last two days, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, so uh, my memory is shit, so I need to have it recent. <laughs> all right. And and Roar, how long ago for you? I mean, I, I watched it ages ago and it was not so I started watching it and then I just couldn't watch season four because I couldn't remember what the hell was going on. So I rewatched this time. I rewatched season three and season four all this week. All right. Um, so uh, since this was Roar's anime, uh, you get to lead us um, in our discussion. So um, have at it, man. Um, before we go to that, do we want to just talk about what anybody's watching seasonally at the moment? Oh, sure. Uh, I'm willing to give you a rundown of something I watched because I was like, it can't possibly be as bad as I think it's going to be. Which was, uh, so there's a, a series out this season called uh, Harem in the Labyrinth in Another World, which uh, the English title for the anime has removed one word from the actual title, which is the word slave from the beginning. <laughs> mm. So I watched three episodes and it is mostly censored on Crunchyroll in that it opens up with our main character murdering a bunch of people and then talking to a guy who offers to sell him a slave and then him murdering a bunch of people to get enough to take enough to get make enough money to buy a slave and then him and the slave doing things that then get um get censored heavily to the point where uh, I have a screenshot of uh the point where in an episode uh it just the entire screen is just pop up saying we cannot show you what is on screen <laughs> what what earthly good is that <laughs> i mean this is this is why uh crunchyroll or whoever you watched it shouldn't be buying um the rights for things that they're not going to air <laughs> it's well it's the same people that made interspecies reviewers right oh okay <laughs> which is the one that you could only watch it on Pornhub for a while because it got kicked off of a bunch of like the places yeah. it was streamed legally yeah it was like it's it, it's i think it was classed as etchy but i think all the reviews said that it's so etchy it's not actually etchy anymore yeah it was one of those ones where it was <laughs> so close to that line that it became porn yeah, I think actually on on that interspe- interspecies reviewers, um, well, Country Rolls recently bought out um, uh, 
uh, Funimation uh, and Funimation bought it off Anime Lab and they uh, took it off their viewing because it didn't meet with their um, their guidelines. Well, Crunchy, Crunchyroll had the rights for it worldwide and then Crunchyroll... Uh, sorry, Funimation had the rights for that one worldwide and then after seeing what it was actually like and dubbing two episodes, they pulled it from their service completely. <laughs> and That's Anime right. Lab, Anime Lab's just the Australian. Yeah, yeah, but Funimation yeah. bought them, so unfortunately, mm, that's they, too bad. They had they had the best UI, so like, I mean, like the best the way to watch it was better than Netflix. It was so good, and now since then, I mean, Crunchyroll and 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 Funimation are terrible. Yeah, I always used my VPN to go on over to Australia so I could watch it on Anime Lab, but mm. uh, haven't for a while, so. Oh, yes, I watched uh, that on on the. It can't possibly be as bad as I think it's going to be. And then it was worse. It was worse than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so there's a cautious tale of unless you want to watch a uh, sort of weird, um, incredibly uh, pro slavery isekai where you can't see what's on screen most of the time. Uh, no recommend. Right. Well, I watch everything weird, so I will definitely give it a watch. Um, but on that point, I think because it's been a while since we had a, an anime uh, uh, review, I've watched two, which are actually pretty cool. Spy X Family, mm-hmm. comedy, very good. You should give it a go. I mean, like if you want something that's just like, you know, a slice of life kind of comedy and you don't want to actually be too much invested. And one that I wouldn't normally watch, but it's called How Heavy Are the Dumbbells That You Lift? It's based ah, around okay. the gym, and it is mm-hmm. really good. About you, Kat? Yep. Any, anything new? No. Um, I think the anime I watched before re-watching Overlord was uh, My Stepmom's Daughter is My Ex. Also watched that, yeah. <laughs> and? Uh, so, it, yeah. Any it was, good? It's better than it sounds from the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a weird one. <laughs> Got to be clickbait titles, hey. And yeah, Spy Family was my third best show of last season, I think. I thought it was all right. Behind Kaguya and Love After World Domination. Which is, what if the Power Rangers was a rom-com between the Red Ranger and the head fighter of the bad guys? Yeah, I'm watching Love After World Domination at the moment. I mean, I'm not that heavily invested, but I'll give it a go. It is better than Spy Family. Okay. Haven't been, right, well, I haven't been watching anything seasonal. Um, although I, after I finished watching my prerequisite episode episodes of Overlord, I did see uh, Silent Voice, the movie, and I mm-hmm. sat through that, and mm-hmm. damn, that was good. It is good. Yeah. yeah. It is really good. I actually would rate it probably a 9 out of 10 overall. It's really good. So... Uh, so let's talk about the uh, rating system that we're going to use. This uh, is a direct ripoff of Jello Apocalypse. And so it's a 10 scale, no partial numbers allowed. And essentially one is a piece of garbage. Don't ever watch it for any reason. A 10 is that everyone should see it for one reason or another. And four is the first mediocre rating. So, um, that's uh, you can infer the differences between those, but um, essentially anything one through three is usually pretty bad. Anything 
uh, four maybe through six is okay, but then you start getting into actual enjoyment on the on the film. So, um, all right, so Roar, you want to get us started? Yeah. Okay. So, um, Overlord, the Overlord specifically season four. So this is the fourth season in the series. Uh, is an uh, isekai, which is a genre uh, in English is other world. Uh, where a main, the, typically in an isekai, you get the main character gets transported to another world. Um, this theory or this situation is based on a Japanese work culture called Karoshi, which is where uh, people work um, basically at work until they die. So hard work is, is, is glorified and then they die at work and then they're blessed and given special powers in, in the next world. Um, typically, they get transported to another world and they don't know this world, but there's a few within izakai that are like video game based so essentially uh sword art online uh overlord those kind of ones where they've previously been in this world and then they get stuck inside the world uh which is a bit of a different spin on izakai but typically pretty good so in overlord uh in this case it, it's it's the year 2138 and v virtual reality multimedia online online games are real um, it's based on full dive technology. So you basically go unconscious and you go into the game and you play it like with your whole body, etc. Um, I think the world is called Yagdrasil. Yagdrasil. There you go. Like the world um, tree. Yeah. Like the world tree. Yeah. Norse um, mythology. It, the most popular game in this world. Like it's super, super, uh, it's super popular. Everyone's playing it. And there's one of the strongest guilds in there is Eins Ul Gaon, which consists of 41 guild members who basically started it, and it's they're one of the top guilds. Um, anyway, the game, over time, it falls into decline. People play it less, and people drop off, similar to like the game that how we all met. Uh, you drop off the game, and there's only a few people left. So in this game, there's only four members left in the guild, and um, they're basically trying to keep the guild alive. All the people who quit, um, basically giving all their loot to a main character called Mamonga or into the basically the guild uh, vault. Um, Mamonga just keeps playing on. Uh, he's basically the only one left and he's maintaining their HQ, which is called the, to- the Great Tomb of Nazareth, which we can just call Nazareth for short on this podcast. Um, so essentially the, the game falls so much into decline that they're basically going to shut down the servers. And Momonga decides to stay in until basically the service shut down. So he's like, you know, I'm going to stay right to the last minute. Uh, and he falls asleep in their throne room. Um, essentially what happens is he wakes up. He finds that he's still in the Great Tomb of Nazareth. And all of the um, the non-player ca- characters, which is an NPC, uh, that, he, that he and his guildies had created uh, seem to have come to consciousness. Um, so he's, he's trying to find himself around this world and he realizes that it's very similar to Yggdrasil or however you pronounce it. Um, and just, just make it an eye friend, just make it an eye at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, Yggdrasil. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So essentially, um, they're in the world and he realizes that it, it feels like it's this very similar place, but it's a little bit different. It seems like it's in the future. Um, and he's trying to understand if there's any other playing characters that have been sucked into after the server shut down as well. Um, so he decides to um, try to get out into the world and understand what he's doing, um, try to meet people, and then spread the word um, Ains Ul Gaon, which is the name of his guild, to see if that any of his other guildies are in this um, in this world, stuck in here with him. 
Um, he does important things to note in this is that it seems that all the strong characters are gone. So the end, the what would normally be an NPC, so all of the people in the world who are non-playing characters have consciousness. They're real people. Things have changed, but they seem a lot weaker than what they were back in the day. That was my understanding, anyway. Um, so yeah, there's just a high level on it, um, and we're specifically specifically speaking about season four. But I know that Cat, Mickey, you've watched all the other seasons as well. So if I missed anything, do you want to come in and say anything else? Uh, the only thing is, uh, so our main character Momonga renames himself after his guild because, in theory, him doing great deeds, other characters are likely to have heard of the guild because they were the biggest guild in the in the game, effectively. Whereas they're not as likely to have heard of him, so he takes on the name. Uh, the only other establishing thing for getting to season four is that he has uh, taken over a large portion of a neighboring kingdom to where the tomb appeared, and we sort of open in this season on uh, him dealing with ruling uh, a large nation now, versus just him and his and the NPCs of the tomb who were a much more manageable number for him. And he's, he's being yeah. referenced as the Sorcerer King, is that right? Uh, yes, yeah. they, name, they name the king, their new kingdom the Sorcerer Kingdom as part of the whole process. And they named him that because he is primarily a magic caster. Eins is a magic caster. Um, and he has no other equal except to maybe another player, but we haven't seen evidence of another player as of yet well the interesting one is if they meet other players he's likely to be weaker than other players because he's a role-playing build not an actual like player versus player build in the in the video game but yeah i think that's covered everything for like uh the plot line so is there anything specific that you guys... So before we talk about season four, is there anything specific that you loved about the first three seasons? Not that I... Not anything I love, but season two sucks. <laughs> I mean, oh, no, I thought... my... You go, Fletch. Sorry, no, my, my favorite... I, I agree with Kat on that one. Season The first half of season two is very much a, a slog to get through. I... The thing that brings me on with this is I really like the world building in the first couple seasons. I think the NPCs are all very interesting characters, but I do mm. think it is uh, the, the writing of the show sometimes lets down the concepts that the writer has created, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, so Wind, if you do decide to watch the other three seasons, um, you could probably skip the first half of season two and not miss a thing. You just need to know it involves a lot of lizard people and you'll be alright. <laughs> There's a whole lizard arc that is completely pointless. Okay. But, but yeah, I think that's everything, unless you get something specific from the first couple seasons you want to bring up. and then I mean, I do... I, I... From Ainz's perspective, so we'll call like a Momonga who's also named as Ainz, we'll just call him Ainz. Um, the, I love the fact that he just doesn't know what's going on half the time. Like, I love the fact that, and I think we've spoken about this before, uh, Fletch, where you, you have a main character who's actually not leading, uh, what's actually happening. Like he does some stuff, 
but I mean the NPCs, the the sub characters are the one who's actually guiding the story and guiding the plan, and he's just kind of going along for the ride. And there's a lot of thi- I think the, the the biggest Easter eggs here are the things that he actually doesn't plan. Um, I mean I don't know when that's going to get old, maybe season four, but I mean I, that's part that I like. <laughs> I think it's important to note maybe that these all of the characters, including the NPCs, are are in the tomb of Nazareth are actually undead. Um, so they're not human. So everybody outside of the tomb of Nazareth are basically um, are living characters. So they have a have a tendency to want to cause ha- havoc and death. Oh yeah, the other big point is that. 99% of the characters that are underneath Ains are all incredibly evil. Like, yeah. The, so the, the, the game has a morality score, and the only one or only one or two of the NPCs in Nazarick are on the good side of that scale, and most of the floor bosses that he deals with are like at least negative 200 on a negative 300 scale of how evil you can be so it's a he's still a human and doesn't want to be evil but all of the people that work for him are evil and how does that influence what he does that and he also but because he's an undead he's realized that he's human although he has human rationality he doesn't have human emotion uh when it comes to death so if he kills somebody he actually doesn't care but yeah, Roar, you're the you you had the our lowest grading on storyline, right? I so did. Do you want yeah, to so... talking about what you liked and didn't like about the story? So let's okay, uh, so... real quick. Let's uh, go over the categories we're going to cover too. So we've said the right. scale we're using. Uh, we're going to cover storyline and character and character development. We're kind of rolling into one, and then the artwork. After that'll be the animation quality. We are separating those out. Then we'll get into the music and soundtrack, um, and then give an overall rating that is not necessarily a average of the other ratings we gave it, just our enjoyment. So go ahead, yeah, Ron. I mean, and we also typically change our we change our scores so our, we can convince each other. So my initial score on storyline was six, only because we're talking about season um, season four, and specifically the first three episodes which I found super boring. I was like, I mean, I tried to watch it. I couldn't remember what was going on, so I had to go back and watch season three, which is quite complex. I recovered it. I've forgotten a lot of it. Um, And then when I watched the first three episodes of season four, I I was like, because I knew that Wind was going to come into this, watching it without watching the other seasons. And I was like, if I were Wind, I would drop it. It's, um, I found it quite boring. Um. But, I mean, it does get better as it builds up. I'm not going to drop any spoilers. Um, I think the reason why I rated it so highly on this one is because I really like the first three seasons. So I love a, a good I love a good uh, Isekai, and I love a good uh, video game-based Isekai. So this is, like, right into my genre. And I love the fact that, um, you know, he's overpowered and he's, into, he's an undead and he's trying to like, cause havoc. It's great. Um, but I just really struggle with this season. So you rated it as something you enjoyed, but don't have any interest in seeing it again. Yeah, I wouldn't watch it again. No way. Not not season four. I will watch if season five comes out. I will watch it. 
um but i'm feeling that like i'm up to episode 10 so as as of the release of this pod uh only season 10 is out uh sorry episode 10 is out and i've just finished watching that i wouldn't watch this season again i will watch the next one but only because i have buy-in from the first three seasons so i actually um in in my vacuum of only seeing three episodes I actually rated it a seven, so I enjoyed it and I would rewatch it. I'm just not actively seeking it out. Um, and the reason is because there was an awful lot of political maneuvering that I thought would be interesting to see more of. So, um, I'm, I wouldn't be adverse to going back and seeing if that plays out through the first three seasons. And, uh, it didn't put me off. The storyline didn't put me off. There was enough being thrown at me that I thought it was, um, it could be interesting if it was executed well. Now, whether it is or not, I don't know because I haven't seen those. But I, uh, but I was interested enough that, um, if uh, I wasn't, I wasn't bored, and, but I did know going into it that I was only going to get these three episodes. So I was trying to pay close attention to what happened during that. Um, the other thing that, uh, that my main takeaway is actually probably more of a, a character point. So I'll wait for that. But, um, overall I, I found the storyline, something that I wouldn't mind seeing more of. I would agree with both of you. I mean, I read it as seven as well. Obviously I did rewatch it. Um, I think it's good. I think you're going to get more political drama out of season three than the other ones if that's what you're looking for. Um, but I, I agree mainly with Roar. If like, if I, if these were the th- only three episodes I could watch out of overlord, I would drop it because these were not the best three episodes, but granted, you know, this is the fourth season. You're supposed to expect to know the backstory and the pre exposed story and everything. Um, I think it was going to get a little bit more spicier after episode three, mm-hmm. but you know, I've only just seen the first three episodes. I was like, I put it down. I'm like, damn, I kind of want to watch some more now. It gets spicier. Yeah, you. you so, just, we stopped right before the first big, like, hell yeah episode. Mm, yeah, um, it does. It does get better. But yeah, I I'm a seven as well. I disagree a little bit with uh, Roar on and you on these three episodes being bad. I really enjoy the political intrigue. Now that we're into that uh episode two especially i thought was very interesting with i think it's episode two that was about how the politics of the reestes kingdom was moving now that eins had slaughtered like one tenth to one eighth of their entire population yeah with one spell yeah and it was it was really interesting to me seeing how like the the hook that gets that got me at the end of that episode is the is is the sort of story progression of what's going on with Princess Renner mm. and Albedo and what does that mean because she's a psychopath and Albedo is Albedo. <laughs> also, she's she's a succubus psychopath, a virgin succubus psychopath. And uh, I I really like that. I also think episode three has a lot of what we were what you were talking about enjoying of like eyes doing things and not really knowing that they're a long-term plan but then it turns out that everyone all of his npcs are like oh i can't believe how good he is at doing things he's always mm. so much better than us and he's like 
I just did a thing because I thought it'd be cool, and then it turned out to work out really well. Uh, uh, and I quite and like the, the story it. progression of just like the the political machinations of just seeing how his mere presence warps other countries. And I I really enjoyed getting deeper into that versus the first two seasons where he's kind of just like not involved with anything. And then season three where he begins to become involved and now he's like taken up the the like the story is here is the political mover maneuverings in this world caused by the this ultimate being. Yep. Yeah. So I think one thing to note here, and this is anecdotal, they haven't actually specifically stated it, but Irons is about um, level 100, and I get that the other, like, the the other strong characters that have been listed, so the non-ones from the Tomb of Nazareth, ones outside of the tomb, seem to be around about level 20 to 30, is my understanding. Did you get the I same feel? I believe Evil Eye is the strongest at, like, level 44. Yeah. Okay. I think I think it, her, her, the equivalent of her strength is roughly level forty in the mid forties. Yeah, right. strength, and she's like the strongest thing the humans have that we've seen up until this three episodes. I think there's stronger people by the end of this season, but I mm. we don't know really. So I one think l- it's setting up for us to get into that position where there are stronger enemies again. One last thing on the on. Uh, storyline that was actually an aspect that i enjoyed about it um i read a lot of lit rpg so uh you know actually having game mechanics in the story uh, does not put me off i rather enjoyed that part yeah i agree i i think it's very interesting where it's like he can cast like 10th tier magic and the strongest magic anyone else that we've seen can cast is like fifth tier yeah is it like, yeah. third? I thought it was only third. Uh, lower uh, lower adventurers can do third, but like the um the the actual head mage of the empire could do fifth tier magic. Yes. that was his like he. That's why he was the greatest magician in the world. Effectively, was fifth tier magic, and then I shows up and is like, "Bitch, please." Yeah, yeah, and so the reason that that I like game mechanics in things like this is so that you don't get what I call the dragon ball effect where you're as powerful as you need to be for that episode. Um, there's, there is a system in place now. Can that be gotten around? Yes, but it's, it it takes a little more dancing to do it. I mean, that can also be expressed as power levels are bullshit. (laughs) Like never like, there are two ways you can do it. Either you stick very rigidly to a power level system you create, or you just don't bother. Like, just don't create power levels if you don't, if you're not going to stick to them. Which this one has chosen to rigidly go. We have data. You uh, so it's a light novel, and the light novels come with data sheets that tells you exactly how strong each character is and gives you a bunch of how they leveled up. Hmm. So you can find a chart that tells you most of the level ups that each of the each of the Nazarick floor guardians have, right, and things like that. Which like he's very much a uh, the entire system is based on D anD. d So if you've played a lot of D anD. d you have if you've played D anD. d you have a real grasp on exactly what all the different mechanics mean because all the monsters are based on the are very close to their D anD. d counterparts. Hmm. 
Mm. I think because one the... one one other cool Sorry. point about that is um, m- the main character. He also plays himself as like an alternate character who's a melee character, like a warrior type knight type character. Who because he's so strong as a magic caster, him he's still a an Adamite level adventurer as as this melee character because he's so so much higher tier than the other ones. Than well, the that is a high, that is a high level spell you can take as a wizard in D anD D to turn yourself into a warrior. Right. That is actually also just a D anD D spell, which nobody takes because it's usually pointless. But he's learned all the spells, so he has this spell that most people think is pointless, and uses it to just go on an adventure for a bit and collect information. I I quite like that, where it's like here is a thing that most people think is actually useless, and it's like here's him using it to do something. That's everything I had to say. Sorry. So, Catwin, did you have anything else on the storyline, or should we move on to character development? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. So, Wind, you've got the lowest on character development, and I imagine this is uh, because you haven't watched it, but do you want to talk through that a bit? Yeah, so it it seemed like that in, in the three episodes that I watched, that there was a – so, once again, a six is I enjoyed it, but I don't really have any interest in seeing it again. I, I thought that their characters were fairly well static. I didn't think there was a lot of growth or uh, revelations about their characters during these three episodes. So while from episode one of season one to this to the last episode that I've just watched, maybe there was a huge uh, arc of growth. I just didn't see it for uh, I just didn't see it in these three episodes, not very much of it anyway. Once again, I, I wasn't bored. It just felt like it was something that was already established that I was supposed to know, and there wasn't a lot of movement. So that's why I scored it what I did. Uh, should I go next as the highest? Yeah, you're next. Uh, so, again, I see exactly where Wind is coming from. Uh, my point is entirely influenced by having watched from season one where you see Einstart is a well-meaning salary man, and now he is literally in charge of an evil empire and becoming more twisted in how he thinks about things. You watch you watch him go from a salary man who is trying to keep up appearances so his own subordinates don't notice that he's not evil to I think he's definitely evil. <laughs> and keeps thinking keeps trying to delude himself that he's not evil, if you know what I mean. Uh the same thing I, I see with a bunch of the NPC characters. So um Cocutis uh, and Albedo are some of the biggest examples of it, where they're characters who at the beginning of the series were very one track and had designated by how they'd been made. And at this point, so you have episode two where Albedo is now a stateswoman uh, going to balls for Ainz as like a diplomatic mission, whereas in season one she'd have just hailed every single person in that room and just been like, Ain't the only good humans are dead human. Hmm. If, if And again, I think it's a much longer term thing. You can't really get it in three episodes, so I should probably drop my rating. 
but I can't help what I've seen. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, also on the on just the character side, rather than the development, it was off putting to me. I almost gave this a five. It was off putting to me to have some of the characters be serious and for a good stretch of time, and then all of a sudden get completely goofy. Uh, which character specifically? Specifically, the um, uh, the horned. Um, Albedo. What's what's her name? Albedo. Albedo. Yeah. Oh, this is this is one of the things where, like, that's again a thing you know about her from season one, where her creator made her that way because it's like his effectively when she's around Ainz, she's a very different character than when she's dealing with other people because of mm. changes he made. Uh, it's, it's again, yeah, I can understand why that would be off-putting if you hadn't had full context for what was going on there. Yeah. The other one that gets to me sometimes is uh, Pandora's actor. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. He's, where, that like, character just annoys the hell out of me. Where <laughs> it's an incredibly silly character in the midst of this serious drama where you then realize the reason he's so silly is because Ainz as a role player was like I want to create this and made him this way and is now trying is now incredibly embarrassed like basically it's the most embarrassing thing that Ainz could possibly have made when he was an edgelord like teenager slash like early like late teens person uh, which is why he looks like a a, a German general. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I can see this, and I think I should probably come down to a seven where Cat uh, and Roar are, and I was massively influenced by just having the long-term view on some of this stuff. Yeah, look, I agree. I think, like, four characters, um, I don't think the main character develops much at all. I think like a little bit, um, but I think the M- the Tomb of Nazareth NPCs develop quite a lot more than anybody else, and they seem like almost side main characters. And the humans, so basically all the other cities that are surrounding, they seem to only decline. Like you have a character who comes forward, and then basically their characters usually end up worse. So I think they're humanizing the NPCs as they like try to conquer uh, and and Irons kind of teaches them, whereas the humans seem to get worse and worse as they get desperate uh, because they're getting closer to death. I don't have much to add. I agree with pretty much everyone and what they've said. Um, the only thing I do, and this is a little off topic, but not, is I'm curious to know what everyone's favorite character is. And especially you, Wind, with only knowing three episodes. Um, ha- having only watched those three episodes, um, I-, I had the most exposure to the Sorcerer King. Um, so I felt like that was probably the best developed. Uh, so I'd have to say at that point it was him. But I don't think, just considering what you're asking probably wouldn't be my favorite character if I watched more. Um, I, I assumed it would choose it, if it changed, if you would watch the other episodes. Yeah, because uh, honestly, if, it almost felt like that character was way too hesitant to be what I would end up with as my favorite character. It's like, they were like, 
I'm going to do this sort of, and I'm, you know, very not, uh, just adamant in their decisions. Um, very trying to please people around them and, uh, which I, which I understand, you know, to keep up the appearances and all that, but it's, uh, just didn't feel like that he would have been my favorite character if I had more exposure to the others. He's very much the extremely cautious, I've got to try and cover for every problem, which is a thing like you would probably have got if you'd watched more, where Ainz's entire thing is, why do something when it could possibly fail, when you can do 16 things to make sure the one thing you actually want to get done is, has a 120% chance of succeeding? You know what I mean? It's the it's the no level of failure is allowed is a is an acceptable level of failure, but yeah, my favorite character is probably Demiurge. Agreed. Fair. My shock here. Yes. Oh, also, good also call. Fair. Okay. I I think I love that Demiurge is like the proper scheming devil, uh, base. Like he's just the perfect idea of that. But also, there's. He's got a, so Demiurge is is based on this like Gnostic tradition that's really interesting if you look into it and his character actually if you look into how he how he works is very much a, all um references to the different ways this uh the Demiurge in that tradition has been viewed. But yeah, yeah. that's that's mine. I mean, I, I'll, Demiurge is my number one as well. And then I was going to say Albedo, but I mean, I think Shaltia beats her anyway. So mm-hmm. she doesn't always get airtime. I mean, she has some airtime and then she's away for ages and then she gets a little bit more. But also um, has that thing of being the character that's the main one of the main focuses of the deleted web chapter that no one is allowed to read. Hmm. All right, so let's move on to artwork. Well, before we do that, just quickly, who is your f- favorite human character? Princess. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Really? Yeah. Mine's the swordsman, the the guy from um... Brain. No, the other one. Gazeth, and... the one that Cat said. Gazeth. Gazeth. Oh, yeah. The one I said. Okay. Yeah. No, I I love I love how weird Princess Renner is. She's weird. I actually, yeah, I've uh, got a theory that she's actually not human anymore. Uh, she is currently human. Yeah. I will not say any more. Okay. Okay. All right, moving along to artwork then. (laughs) (laughs) I may have read some of the light novel. No Uh, spoilers, Fletch. Come on. Yeah, I'm not doing any spoilers. (laughs) Uh, So do you want me to... Do you, what do you wish for me or when to start with this one? Go ahead. I, I started last one. I really like the character designs of all of the NPCs from the tomb. I think they're very strong. I think that some of the more important human characters have strong design. I like some of the creature design. I just kind of think it falls down in the the cities are very generic. Yeah, so a lot of the architecture is just that one city from every isekai. And yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with you. The backgrounds kind of ruined things for me, and background characters. Uh, I I agree. I love the character designs for most of the main cast. There are some characters though that just look like 
very frumpy, generic, not very well um, thought out. And and also the background scenes, like you were saying. So I actually gave it the exact same rating you did at a six. Also, on previous discussion, Albedo's character design is way better than Shaltier's character design. You take that back. I will not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I I rated mine pretty high at an eight. Um, I guess that's just with my lack of anime content that I've watched. Is I thought the cities are fine, the backgrounds are fine. I mean, it it was nothing to give praises about, but you know, it, it was a city. It was an open field. Um, the main characters themselves are really good. I do like that. The main takeaway is why I rated it so high is the end cards at the end of every episode. I thought that artwork was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Speaking of end cards, um, when when they're doing that end bit. I know they want to use all their available time, but uh, at that point, I'm ready to skip the credits and go to the next episode. I don't want to watch for plot points. <laughs> There's very few episodes, I think, had actual more plot after the end credits. Most of it was just like a next episode sneak peek. Hmm. All right. I mean... I agree with you guys. There's nothing really much to add that I like the main characters. I found, I find that some of the uh, not main Nazareth characters, but like side ones, like they have this butler that's a little penguin. And He's that, great. The, Don't you insult him. And the torturer <laughs> guy. I mean, you know that lobby kind of like oh, torturer yeah. guy. And I'm like, oh, those characters are terrible. But then I'm like, okay, cool. They live. They're like undead creatures that are in a tomb. Then they're not all meant to look cool. They're actually meant to look like that. So it's like right on point, but totally agree. I think the thing that pushes down the artwork on this is um, is the background characters. But I think it's important to note on this is that like there's a lot of seasonal Izakai anime that gets pushed out and the majority of it is total trash, like three from a quality point. So I think like comparatively to other Izakai, this is like a 10 out of 10. Yeah, but I'm not going to do that. It, it, yeah. I, either, I either liked it or I didn't. Uh, I also don't think that's true. I think I think to the like I think this is definitely the above the average level of effort, but I don't think it's anywhere near a ten on the effort scale. Like, no, I, I'm not saying it is a ten. I rated it a seven, but I'm saying compared no, to I mean, seasonal it, anime I've seen, uh, like Izakai anime, they like punch this stuff out like it's like legit at a sushi train. Sure, sure, but then it's, it's still nowhere near that because like you have seasonal stuff that comes out like Mashoku Tensei, and it's like man. If you're oh, yeah, okay. this to a Shoku Tensei, you're like, get yeah, out okay. of here. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, this is the top one. Mishoku Tensei, this one. I mean, but it's not a... um, uh, What's that recent Shonen one that got released? Uh, um, The school where they fight demons. And he oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some really good anime content out for, like, artwork. And this is definitely not one of them, but it's, I mean, the character design is really good. Okay. Uh, so then anime quality, we actually split it out. It's meant to be a different category. I mean, these ones are just notoriously all low for us. So Miku, you can go first with a two. So animation quality, again, this is heavily a full all four seasons problem, not a this season problem. Because the first three episodes of this season, they didn't really animate very much, if that makes sense. 
it's all two characters in a room talking, walking down a street. It's not very animated at all. There's not a lot of action in this section. But now I am docking it like three points for the CGI they use in this series. It is almost as bad as I have seen CGI. I can't say it is as bad as I've seen CGI because I have watched some of X-Arm. But it's real bad and it doesn't match with any of the artwork and they're do it and it just looks so off whenever they do it. And I just I I can't give it any better than like a two or three. This is not animation is definitely not the, the strength of this show. Which is sad because it is meant to be animated. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of on board with you. I, what what it made me think of was watching old episodes of He Man, um, where you yes. had you had a static background, and they animated as few things as possible. Sometimes when the focus was on a character that wasn't speaking, the only thing moving was like glowing cards or something. I mean, you you literally could have been just watching a picture if it wasn't for that. So, yeah, I gave it a three and uh, felt like I was being fairly generous, but I guess according to the apocalypse scale says, um, so yours was uh, slightly less terrible than garbage, might have been one thing you liked, and a three is pretty much the same, but it didn't hurt to watch it. Okay, didn't hurt to watch it, but uh, I, it wasn't any fun to watch. <laughs> so My scale would probably have gone up to a three if we had gone an episode further. But I'm like rating where we are. I'm not good because there's a there's a, a thing that happens in the next episode which is really well animated compared to everything else they've done. But I'm like, no, it's not getting bonus points for something we're not actually talking about. So what about okay. you, other guys? There's there's not much to add. I mean, you guys pretty much. I don't I don't think it's as bad as you're saying, but it is pretty bad. Um, it certainly is just like, okay, that thing is moving kind of wonky, or that thing is like, has more vibrant colors than everything else, and it's just like, yeah, the animation wasn't all there. I mean, I watch a lot of seasonal trash, so there's much worse. Like, I didn't I didn't find it disjar- disjointing so much, but I mean, like, it's not great, but I, I rated it a five. You need to have maybe... more, uh, more, more discernment in the, the, the animation you you uh watch <laughs> well you watch the same stuff every time i say yeah you watch this, you're like yeah, yeah i just I rate it this. i just rate that a one and this a two uh, <laughs> the um I, I have a quick question on this okay so irons's mouth doesn't move uh, uh, correct when yeah. He's shot, yeah. Right? and i my understanding is he has a little like pet that he feeds and that's the thing that speaks for him is that right yes it was like a, a vocal cord insect or whatever yeah well, so that, it's the same thing we... that it's the same thing that lets the maid that doesn't that is a bug thing thing speak. Yeah, Entama. yeah, yeah, and Tama. Yep. Okay. Well, now let's move I... to the best category out of all. Yeah, let me let me go first. <laughs> I've rated so I've erroneously rated this an eight uh, on the sheet, but for season four, I'm going to rate this one a four did not like the intro song. But the previous seasons, 
I freaking love it. I actually listen to it when I'm at work working. It is amazing. It is incredibly good. And I love every single one of the intro songs for all the other seasons. This one really let me down. I mean, Kat, do you want to respond? I, I, I agree completely. Season four is not my favorite, but seasons one and three and ending of uh, season two are like my top three music category favorites whatever i even have some of it downloaded on my phone and i listen to it occasionally it's just the music is fantastic yeah agreed Mickey, i don't think this series has a bad opening or ending the 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 season four opening is also a banger and you are just wrong and you will come round (laughs) to it over time i mean i've only listened to it three times yeah, it's also a banger. The same as ever. It's not as good as some of the other seasons. I uh, maybe but maybe like, I'm just looking grading, at it comparatively. If we're yeah. grading on a scale of like everything else that comes out, it has a very good like set of theme songs that all have a distinct tone, and that weird like vocal uh, effects they do over it to like sort of not quite. It's not. It's auto tune, but it's not actually auto tuned to like an actual note. It's like between. Mm. It's like it sounds really discordant. I quite like that theme that they've used for it. But yeah, how how did you think of the the one opening and ending theme that you were allowed to hear? Went. I actually liked it. Um, so my my high bar for this would be something like Tank from Cowboy Bebop or uh, the opening for Outlaw Star. Uh, yeah, and, you know Fair. something like that. Uh, I I love stuff like that. Um, another another really good one that I like is uh, Record of Lotus War Chronicles of the Heroic Knight. Um, all all of those would be nines and tens for me. I rank this a seven. I liked it a lot. Um, I didn't think that it was to that bar, but I certainly didn't dislike it at all. So and yeah. act, so actually the music and score that uh, that was in this. Got pretty high marks from me. Yeah, I, if you gave season four a seven, man, if only you could listen yeah. to season three. Actually, I, I've got next next time for next podcast win. Listen to the other soundtracks, the openings for the other ones, and the closings, and tell me if you think it's better. Like, I actually want to hear the feedback on this. Okay, well that's easy. I can YouTube those. So yeah, yeah. Like I do, I do think the other seasons have a better opening and ending than this one, but I do think this one is. Like I, I kind of agree with. I would probably be where Wind is, where like this one is like a seven, seven and a half on its own. Like mm. the world of full numbers, but I think with the influence of everything else, it bumps it to like a nine. Yeah, I reckon the other ones are like nine or ten. I would rate the other seasons as nine or ten, or this one is like a maybe a six at the highest. I, I think, I think you're, you're not. <laughs> You've got, got let one grow on you a bit, like. I'm Australian. We think of things upside down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to overall enjoyment. When do you want to go first on this? Yeah, so um, I ranked it as an overall enjoyment of a five, even though um, the storyline intrigued me, um, you know, to, at least to some degree. I thought the music was good. Uh, the artwork was certainly um, not terrible. I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, the animation really let it down for me. And once again, I found some things off putting about characters. So, um, I don't know that, um, I thought it was average, you know, it was fine. And that's what a five is. So, um, 
while I wouldn't have watched this on my own, or at least these three episodes, and then said, hey, Rory, you need to watch this, um, I wouldn't have thought that I completely wasted my time with it either, so. Mickey? Uh, yeah. I went with, uh, so I, I've been quite, I've praised, like, a lot of the stuff of the series, but overall I think I gave it a six. I I think I would have had it higher before I rewatched it and realized that, like, I don't like as much of it actually experiencing it again as I thought I would, which makes me go, it, then I, I definitely don't want to rewatch it, so it can't be any higher than this. Like, on mm. the scale, it can't be higher than a six because a seven... I'm like I would definitely rewatch it, but I I just wouldn't again. I don't I don't think it's worth it on a rewatch. But I like the first watch through. Mm. I I would agree with that. First one is really good. Second one, not as good as the first watch. Um, I don't. Th- I rated it a seven as a as I would rewatch it because I did rewatch it. But if we get like a season five or something, I don't think I'm going to watch the whole series again just for season five. I don't think it's worth an, a third rewatch just to catch up. So, you know, as it as it goes on, it'd go lower. But, you know, the first couple, you know, that's fine. Just just read the wiki synopsis. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I recommended this because I'd watched the first three seasons and I love the first three seasons. Normally, I'd rate the first three seasons an eight and I would recommend, like, when you like game mechs, people who like game me- are like mechanics in an anime, watch it. Uh, but I rated this one a six. I'm not going to spe- say repeat what you guys said. So I, I do want to I, I do want to bring up one thing. Comes out, but that's about it. I do want to bring up one right. thing. Uh, if you look at the overall scores, I didn't rate this anime higher than anyone in any other category. Um, I was either on the very low end or um, never above the high end. So, would you guys, with your knowledge of the rest of the series, say that it's fair to say that? Season four is not as strong starting out as the other seasons. I I think season four doesn't start as strong because it's a very slow start Mm. that is building up for what is happening currently. So I think it's like episode four is where it begins to sort of go. Things are now happening out of what you've you sort of set up in the first three episodes. Mm. Uh, I I believe. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm just saying. I think I think the start of where we cut off has a very definitive like issue of being the slow build up section. Yeah, I believe we're coming off of a high of the ending of season three, and this is the low point of the like the aftermath of the ending of season three, and that's why it's kind of starting out so slow. As you got to like take care of taking over the kingdom and all that other stuff and whatnot. So. The the start is pretty slow, but that's only because the ending of season three was so big. Hmm. I would also say it's really interesting because having rewatched the beginning of season one again, like the first episode of season one is very strong, and then it has a lull for a little bit before it like builds back up again. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like it's a bit of a pattern in Overlord that you you do have that sort of like trough and valley thing. That comes mm. at like slightly odd times. Yeah, when yeah. I I know the kind of audiobooks you like, and I I, I reckon I like I don't know if you like Isekai at all, but I'd I'd recommend you actually do watch it from season one 
Uh, don't keep watching season four, but watch it through at your own pace. If you don't like season one, don't watch the rest of it. Yeah, I might, yeah. I might pick that up. Yeah, I would agree with that. If season one doesn't grab you, then... I, I think if the first episode of season one doesn't grab you, stop. Because I think the first episode of season one is the strongest part of season one. Mm, okay. Okay. It's, been like, so long since it's really it. strong at the beginning, and then it gets quite it gets strong again at the end. But I think like that first section, if it doesn't grip you in the first episode, I just don't think it's going to grip you. Well, gang, we're uh, closing in on the hour mark. Anything? Any other closing comments from anybody? Uh, my main comment is that I went into this being it was an anime I really loved, and I still like it, but. It did actually dampen my enjoyment watching it again, if that sounds weird, like with a more analytical view on it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting to something I haven't watched at some point soon. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the value of this anime is on the storyline, though. And I mean, after you've watched something once and you know the storyline, you, you don't get the same value you add to it. Yeah. Okay. So, Kat, what are we watching next? Um. Well, we kind of had to a resurgence of anime club uh with just wind and miku and myself but then you're like hey let's do anime club and we're gonna do overlord so like all right we'll do that first um i'm choosing an anime that i have seen i know miku and wind has also have not seen this and it is angel beats angel beats okay i don't know if you've seen it or not roar I think I've seen three episodes, but I mean, it, my understanding is it's kind of like a itchy based. Yeah, give us a little no, synopsis. No, it's not. Um, it's a bunch of kids in limbo. Yep, I've seen it, but I'm this, happy to rewatch it. This is another one where I think the music is an absolute banger. So we have it's season one, first three episodes. Yep, there's only thirteen episodes in total. So if the first three grab you, there's just another ten. Okay. I'm going to watch the whole thing. I am going to only watch the first three for Club, and then if it is something that I've enjoyed, I will watch the rest. I am probably going to watch the first three and see how I like it, and if I continue, I continue. But yeah, so that's on Netflix, I believe? Uh, I don't know where it is. I'm assuming just, it's on I have, just, I have just searched it. It's on Netflix. Okay. It may also be on Crunchyroll. I haven't checked that, but... It's pretty widely available, I would assume. Mm. All right, Angel Beats for next time. Anything else, guys? I got nothing. All right, well, here's... uh, We're going to play a little bit of the Hollow Hunger. So this is the opening for the fourth season of Overload on our way out. And guys, thanks for carving out the time in your day to do Anime Club again. And looking forward to getting with you again next month for Angel Beats. Thank you. Ciao.